This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Daniel, Jeff, Jeremy, we are here to talk about TCU football. We are here on the cusp of the 2018 season. We got some good news. I got some bad news. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, I was always told that when you got your to-do list, start with the thing you want to do least, and that way you can get it over with rather than procrastinate the rest of the day. So let's not uh, procrastinate to the end of the show. Let's talk about what I want to talk about least. Ross Blacklock is out for the season. Big 12 defensive newcomer of the year, four-star recruit for whom we beat out the Aggies. Yeah, he got hurt. We'll talk about the details of – yeah, and Alabama. And Alabama. That's right. Beat out the Aggies and Alabama. Um, He is hurt. He is out for the season. He posted on Instagram that he was an osteopath up there uh, in Fort Worth. And it looks like we're going to have to reshuffle some stuff. We're going to talk about depth. We're going to talk about what the nature of the injury is that we know. But, Daniel, let's just start with you because I know you're always calm and rational when it comes to college sports. Uh, What was your initial reaction when you heard that news? Um. I, I started going through the, you know, your, your stages of grief. Um, I was in denial. Then I decided, no, Gary is really ramping up the tricks for Ohio State this year. And uh, we're going to throw everybody off. And, you know, then I kind of, you know, was, then when, when a bargaining comes in at some point. Yes. Um, and if, <laughs> God take my Achilles so he can have his. Yes. <laughs> Let me let me get hurt on my motorcycle and let Ross be okay. That's right. Um, uh, but then finally acceptance and it sucks. And but um, I, I'm pretty uh, I'm quasi optimistic about what what we got. And and Jeremy made a good point on the board today. Um, this being Sunday, about what's been consistent with the defense all these years. And I even answered him and said, well, I was Gary Patterson. That's the consistent part. That's the, uh, the constant. So, um, you know, we, we may lose, you know, Ross and then it stinks and, but we've got more depth than we've ever had at, at anywhere period. Uh, it's just the best time for TCU football and, and Gary will get it done. You know, that story, somebody had tipped me off to it the day before. I won't uh, name names, but I'd heard that. And then when it went over 24 hours before hearing anything, I thought, oh, maybe it, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it's just not true. And so I kind of worked through some of those uh, stages of grief with you, um, almost in a, in a sense of denial. And then when it finally came, I was like, oh, man, this is real. This stinks. So, uh, you know, I, I hate it for a couple of reasons. I hate it for the what it's going to do the defense. I hate that it's going to, you know, take one of the best players off of the field. And I hate it for Ross. Um, Let's just be honest. Not every not not every kid that goes D one, not every kid that goes Power five, not every kid that's all conference has got a chance to be a first or second rounder in the NFL. Ross Blacklock was likely 
going to have a great season and go to the NFL draft. That was a high likelihood. And man, when you're a late first rounder, early second rounder, 335 pound defensive lineman, that's a, that's that's a little more money than I make as a preacher. And so just just the impact that that could have that that really kind of hurt me because I I'm not as much as it hurt him, but that was on my mind. I know I know the frogs will respond. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But I, I hope he heals up. Heal up, big guy. We're we're hoping the best for you. JC, tell us a little bit. Um, what do you know that happened? Um, there, you know, there's a story you were able to share a little bit online, and yeah. you know, tell us a little bit about the nature of the injury. Uh, obviously, respecting some privacy, but what's public? What do we know? Well, he he injured it. He injured his Achilles doing a non-contact drill, um, which basically what I was told he was doing one-on-ones, and when they're doing one-on-ones and and no pads, it's just running around, and when that thing goes, it goes. It, it, it goes. I mean, it just, when I was, when I tore my Achilles, I was just running and it felt like someone had just punched me in the, in the back of my leg. It just, it, it's just a, a, a bad, bad injury, uh, feeling wise, but he was just doing what they normally do on a, uh, I think it was a Tuesday that it happened and mm-hmm. just going through the motions. And that's what happens. I mean, it's just a, a freak injury. He was in great shape. Usually, yeah, he's he's six four. He's three hundred thirty pounds, and he moves like he's about two hundred and fifty pounds. Um, so he, you know, he's got a lot of weight, uh, and he's he's constantly moving back and forth. He does a lot of speed work, a lot of agility work. I will say this: where it happened was inside on the turf and the indoor, and that's one thing. If you guys kind of read stories over the weekend, uh, coach P talking with the media or saw videos. He mentioned that, you know, the, the two injuries and Jalen Rager's not the other one he's talking about. He said there was two, two major injuries and, and both of those were inside the indoor on the turf. And that's why you'll never see Gary. As long as he's the coach at TCU, they are never, ever, ever going to have turf in Eamon Carter stadium. You can forget <laughs> it. You you can just flat out forget it, but I promise you right now that grass on the field, inside the stadium, and uh, for the practice field, you can take your golf clubs out there and just man, just go to town. I mean, it's it is beautiful, it is awesome. They've got a new landscaper out there and just grounds guy, and he's he's done a phenomenal job um, keeping those fields very nice. And Coach P loves it too. It's it's funny during the camps he. He made sure they weren't rutting it up all over the place. He made made those guys do <laughs> drills. He was real particular about it. It's like you guys are messing up my lawn. You know that he he, he takes care of it like it's his own front lawn, man. It's crazy, but yeah, um, that's what happened. Yeah, get off! I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine Coach Patterson yelling, "Get off my lawn!" Uh, uh, <laughs> he, he he came out there a few times at, at the camps, not the practice. I mean, obviously yeah. you're going to turn up at practice, but yeah, just unfortunate for Ross. It, and, and like I said, it's just one of those freak injuries, man. It was nothing that they were doing wrong or anything like that. He just was inside doing a drill, and boom. Uh, from what I was told, uh, the guys that actually saw it happen is he just fell down. He just uh, went, went to the ground and that's exactly, you know, I, I feel for him and I know I keep talking about it. I feel for him because that's how it happened to me. I, I just fell down to the ground and I was ticked off because I thought someone had just tried to die from my leg and flag football and, <laughs> and I was cussing and hollering. And they're like, dude, no one was around you. And so I, I could kind of get the feeling that, you know, he's going through, just going through the motions. The next thing you know, you're just on the ground and 
wincing in pain and it's going to be a long recovery, but they got great doctors. They got that cryo chamber up there. I, I do know some people that had uh, Achilles injuries as well that did some cryotherapy and man, it's, it's really good. Like it, it, it heals the process up, but I don't, I don't foresee him going through uh, spring. They're not going to rush it. He'll, he'll be off oh, for no. a while, but good news is, I don't think you're going to have a guy that didn't play the 2018 season declare for the draft, so at least TCU has no. another year with him. You know, one of the things I think uh, we need to clarify, and I'm, you, you kind of said it, um, some people on message boards and you know a lot of Twitter bros are like, they don't need to be hitting during the fall. They were not out there doing the Oklahoma drill for three hours no. when Ross Blackhawk no. got hurt. They're out there in T-shirt and shorts running. And that, that, that was the situation. You know, one of the, one of the misnomers is that the college football programs hit all the time. I guarantee you, if you've got a, uh, a wannabe dad coaching a sixth grade tackle football team, they hit more the first two weeks than they do the first eight weeks at TCU. Football. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, like there's, yeah, no those, there's no doubt about it. Little kids football hits more than a division one program. I, that's, that's got 330 pound men that can crush I've, you. I've, I've personally been in arguments with, uh, little league football commissioners, because when I was coaching the head coach, I would only make my kids wear pads once a week. And they got, you got these diehard dads are out there that are practicing four times a week, wearing full pads every practice. And you're just like, Oh man, this is ridiculous. And I said, I've got, I've got major, I, I tease around with coach Patterson. That he, coach, what would you do if a dad or someone came up to you and told you they practice full pads three or four times? I tell them they're stupid. You know, he just, you know, it's, it, it's funny because here it comes from a major coach, but the dad that is living through their sons, they know more about football than a guy making five, $6 million a year, but yeah, it's his own, I guess. I, I like, I like challenging the manhood of an 11 year old. I just think that's, that's really smart. I could do a whole <laughs> podcast on the stupidity of youth football. Um, we might do that in the off season. Uh, all right, let's, let's talk about what matters here on the field. Jeremy, what what are some changes that are going to have to – who's going to have to step up? What are some maybe some positional changes that are being made across the defensive line? And how are the Frogs going to adjust without Blacklock? Well, I think the main thing that they're going to bring in is George Ellis and, and Terrell Cooper. And if you kind of listen to what Coach Patterson was saying about the red shirt, shirt rule uh, a few weeks ago, he was talking about two defensive tackles that really could have played last year with that rule. And he was referring to Ellis and Cooper – Cooper had a really good spring. If you if you go back and read the reports, there's a couple times that he mentions Cooper by name as a guy that was really impressing him. He was able to do that because Ross wasn't full speed. George Ellis wasn't full speed. And so Terrell really had a chance to come in there and make an impression. And if you watch the uh, spring game, he actually had, I think, uh, two tackles for loss and one sack in the spring game. So he's he, he's got some ability. He's not 6'4", 330 pounds. He's not a projected first or second round pick. He's not an All-American. But as Coach said the other day, when you have him and then you have another guy like George Ellis that can both of them come in, they might play two plays apiece and then rotate in for each other, whereas Ross would have played four to six plays and maybe he would have been a little bit more tired. So you get fresher legs. But they're bringing in Michael Epley to, to help inside. I don't think it's going to be at nose. He's not. You're not going to put a 200 and – 40 pound guy at nose tackle. I think it's uh, more of uh, uh, him being better against the run. Ty Summers being better uh, against the pass, being able to rush the edge with four or five speed. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't foresee Michael Epley making a, a ton of contribution inside. Plus you have LJ Collier. That's kind of limited right now. They're kind of holding him back. And 
it's it's going to be kind of a makeshift defensive line for the next two weeks as they get ready to gear up. But I, th- I firmly think on uh, September 1st, you'll see Banigou at defensive end, Corey Bethley at nose, um, probably Terrell next to him. And then at the other end, I think you'll have either Ty or uh, LJ if he's healthy. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I, I'm, I got a, I got big hopes for Cooper. He's another one of those gyms out of East Texas that I think the Frogs stole right there at the end of signing day. So I'm really curious to see what he's going to be able to do. Hey, yeah, the last, you, you mentioned the last guy that they stole out of East Texas uh, close to signing day ended up being the all-time leading tackler under Gary Patterson. Traven Howard. I'd say Traven Howard did all right. Yeah. So just for everyone, I man, it's so tough because you someone even put on board and, and bless their heart, I, I love you, Hammer, but I, he Blacklock is good, but I don't think he's anywhere close to being the best player TCU's ever had. Not <laughs> I, not, not one year. And I love you, Hammer. <laughs> I love you. Don't don't take this the wrong way, but uh, they're with they're, all due respect. They're, they're, yeah, with all due respect, they're. Blacklock is a huge loss. There's no way to sugarcoat that. It's it's a big loss. But they still have 10 other guys on the field. Blacklock is not the sole reason that they were so successful last year. Did he help? Of course. But they've still got some really good defensive players that can help this defense be successful. And until we see teams just mowing over TCU's defensive line, then I'm I'm not going to worry about it. But until then – I'm, I'm, I'm confident Gary Patterson's going to get the job done. I'm confident Zarnell Fitch is going to get the right. Let's remember, Zarnell Fitch coached two fresh, two freshmen All-American last year. There's no reason yes. why he can't do it again this year. No reason he can't do it again this year. So, And have you guys seen the size of Terrell Cooper's legs? They look like uh, stumps from East Texas. They look like yeah, sequoias, man. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna dude. play around two ninety five. I mean, he and he'll and he'll continue to get bigger. He was when he got to TCU, he was around two sixty five, maybe not even that okay. much. Okay, so, that's what I. So thought. he's didn't he play D end in high yeah, school? Yeah, so he's yeah, that's what he's I gained. He's gained thirty pounds in roughly a year being on campus. Well, I did that too. <laughs> Have you you kept it on? I've added to it. it. (laughs) Same here. That was great. That was quick. I'm impressed. (laughs) I'm impressed. All right. I'm out of my catatonic state now. I got a little bit quicker wit. That's right. All right. Real quick. Don't depress us and make it short, Jeremy. Injury updates. (laughs) You, you want to just go down the roster and I'll tell you yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, All right, let's just start with who's healthy. Hey, Sean Robinson's healthy. Yeah, he, he's healthy. Uh, running backs, Darius and Shaywo are, are both limited. Amari's limited. Kennedy's limited. Receivers, you have obviously Jalen walking around in a boot. Um, Darius Davis, I think I heard he's battling something. Tight ends, Pro Wells is kind of battling something. And Cole Novak's actually – the guy that's probably going to be the starter. I, I know Artavius Lynn had uh, a good scrimmage the other day, but I keep hearing Cole Novak and even Coach Patterson said something about him the other day. Offensive line, you have uh, McDermott Vi that won't be back until the week of Southern. Uh, Wes, Wes Harris is fine. Yeah, McDermott Vi, he's he's penciled in. Shout out to Hank Harris. Yeah, he's, he's, he he's the he's – the, he's, uh, Casey is the 
projected starter at right guard. Um, I've heard Kelton Hollins has been bruised up. I don't know uh, how bad he is, but I'm not. It's all these injuries that I'm telling you. I, I, it's it's not serious. And and Coach Patterson mentioned mentioned these guys the other day. So L.J. Collier, defensive end, and, obviously Blacklock at tackle. Haven't heard anything on linebackers. Ugh. Gladney's been out for about a week at corner. Markel Simmons has been out. He hasn't even gone through a scrimmage yet, according to coach. Um, oh, my gosh. And he was the starting week safety. So now you've moved Isahaku over from strong to weak, and that, which I'm not, I, I don't mind that move because Ray's got a ton of experience in the defensive backfield. Um, but yeah. he's still, he's still kind of limited. Um, and let's see. Cole Bunce apparently kicked and his leg below his knee completely flew off. So he's out for a while. <laughs> I'm just trying to, trying to lighten the mood, fellas. Sorry. I don't mean, Sean I don't Robinson. Mean on the no, I'm not even going to change. No. Yep. Bunce, Bunce is the kicker now, though, right? Well, for now he is, Daniel. I mean, watch out for Jonathan's ball. Coach Patterson I mean, that's said, what he said. They kick better in, in the wind. That's right. So maybe, right. So maybe it'll be a. It'll be a directional decision. Direction. Uh, well, moving on here, let's get to something a little more uplifting. Sean Robinson has been named the, the starting quarterback. For those of you who love Friday Night Lights, he's QB1. Sean Robinson's named starting quarterback, true sophomore out of DeSoto. I don't think this is a surprise. There was a lot of ink spilled or a lot of text put online about uh, Collins really pushing him. And I, I, I believe the quarterback competition was real, and I think they, uh, I, I don't think they oversold it, but I also never had any doubt that, that Sean Robinson was going to be the starting quarterback this year. You know, he's got high expectations, but they're also tempered by the idea that he's, you know, he's not Kenny Hill in terms of being a three-year starter, having played on some big stages, playing, you know, in the SEC, playing in the Big Twelve. So I, I, I've been trying to figure out where do we, how do we measure? What's the standard for a successful season this year for Sean Robinson? Daniel, if you if you want to you know project forward, how will we know that this was a good season for Sean Robinson in his first year as a starter? Uh, winning the national title. <laughs> Without winning the title, it's kind of a failure. Is that kind of where we're at? Yes. Good. No. Um, no. I mean, it, it it doesn't fall completely on him. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of other factors that could cause a team to win or win or lose. Um, so. You know, I mean, he could, uh, we could win uh, nine games and he could have had the best season ever. Um, and he, we could win 11 games and he could have had a mediocre season, but everyone else stepped up. So it's really hard to say. Um, I think he's going to do really well. And if, you know, and I kept hearing about Michael Collins, Michael Collins, this, that. And if he's that good and then Sean Robinson gets the nod, then I'm extremely confident that he's going to do exactly what we're expecting him to do. Yeah, my interpretation of all of the uh, push to, to, to tell the story about Collins wasn't about that Sean was stepping back, because I think he's amazing. It's that Collins was really pushing him, and that he had ability too, and that why are we surprised that TCU was able to attract, retain, and develop an under-the-radar under stud? That shouldn't surprise us. So I'm, I, think, I think Robinson is set up to succeed. I like what you said there. He, you know, we might win 11 games, and he was pretty good, or he might have an amazing season, and they win nine. But I think, 
you know, if you measure by wins and losses as well as, you know, that you have trust in the quarterback and that's a key to those those victories, I think Sean, Rob- Sean Robinson's going to have a pretty good year. Here's a... Dan- or J- Jeremy, ha- go ahead, buddy. Jeremy, what do you think? I'll, I'll look back at last year when yeah, – because I'm going to judge Kenny on last year. I thought Kenny had a great year. He led them to 11 wins, 11, 11 and three year top 10 finish. Yes. But you still have guys that are out there saying, well, they could have went further if he wouldn't have thrown two interceptions against Iowa State. And so they blame, they blame, they blame that loss solely on Kenny Hill. Um, but yeah. he, he, he took them to 11 wins. So I think the <laughs> judging Sean, how well he's going to be perceived this year is number one wins. Like Daniel said, if, if they go out and win 11 games, but he doesn't have a great season, is, are people going to be satisfied with that? Or are they going to point to hey. the negative moments where he might have had a bad game against Ohio State and just crap the mm-hmm. bed? But, and if, if we're running it you know, 50% of the time, all he's doing yeah. is handing it off. So, I mean, he's not responsible necessarily. As long as he doesn't drop the ball, then it's kind of out of his hand. Uh, it, it's it's going to be he, – he's going to – statistical – wise he's going to have to produce at least 2500 yards through the air he's he's going to have to do that he's going to have to produce probably around three to four hundred yards on the ground if he goes out what's going to be funny is if he goes out and somehow tcu wins 12 games and he has uh uh less stats than what kenny did then it's it's going to be well well sean's the greatest in the world you know, good thing we got Kenny, yeah. get, got Kenny Hill out of there. I'm a devil at, devil's advocate when it comes to Kenny Hill because, yes, he was horrible his junior year, but senior year I think he did really well, really, really well for the talent that he has. But ta- talent-wise, Sean's going to be better, stronger arm. He's, they're going to be able to do more things with his versatility than what they were able to do with Kenny's. And I think that's going to be the telltale. We're going to see a little bit different offense, balls getting thrown downfield, a little bit more running game, but uh, and Dan, you made a great point that, 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 or Jeff, one of you guys did is about it wasn't that Sean has taken a step back because he's barely beaten out a walk on quarterback. The, the the competition was so great, and it's not coach speak. It's not we want to give Sean a little bit of motivation. It it really was close. Just talking to people around the program, it was close. Michael Collins is a guy that the players love. He goes out there and busts his tail. Mm-hmm. He's got a really strong arm. He's big. And Coach Patterson even said the other day he was talking about Sean. And then he starts talking about – this was after we shut off the recorders and everything. And he was talking about, you know, it's it's funny because everyone thinks Michael's so slow because he's a big kid. And he's like, he's really quick. He's really fast. And I don't think people respect him like that outside of what our team does. And the, mm-hmm. the fact that he emerged – is going to make Sean even better. And uh, the, the, the telling stat that he told us on Saturday was Sean only threw 13 or three interceptions and the safeties had what, 17 interceptions, I think is what he said. And so you, you have Ooh. four other, four other quarterbacks that are on the roster and who knows 17 of those interceptions could have been from the walk-on scout team quarterback, who knows, but I think it's pretty good that, Sean protected the ball because if you look at last year against Texas Tech, yeah, they went up there and won 27 to three. He rushed for 84 yards, but he only completed six of 17 passes and put the ball on the ground like 17 times. 
18. 18, that's right. <laughs> you know, I want to All those bit. interceptions were, were from when Kenny Hill was helping coaching. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to loop back to what you said, Jeremy, that yeah, I love Kenny Hill last year. I I I I didn't I don't hold the 2016 season against Kenny Hill. There were, there were a lot of factors that we won't get into on that, in my opinion. I like Kenny Hill, and I was glad that we had him. And you can measure him off of stats, or you can measure off of wins and losses. So here's your question. Who was, who was a better quarterback last year? Will Greer, who's about to get a massive Heisman campaign pumped down, you know, you know shoved out there? Or, or Kenny Hill, who, who won 11 games and finished in the top 10? That's an easy answer. Yeah. You you get to pick. Do you want Will Greer and go seven and six and lose to Utah at ten a.m. in the uh, heart of Dallas Bowl, or do you want Kenny Hill that uh, beats a ranked Stanford runner up in the Pac twelve and finishes in the top ten? I I appreciate what Kenny did. I don't care what what the stat sheet said. He won he won some games, especially. And if we didn't have Kenny last year, I don't know who would have played quarterback. I mean, I guess you could say Robinson, but we're not in the Big Twelve title game. We don't beat West Virginia. We don't beat Oklahoma yeah. State. So I'm I'm I love I, I'm 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 a Kenny advocate. I, I'm with you. I, I, there were some and mistakes. And Robinson goes down like Kenny did. Who then? Who's in oh, there? Good no lord! Kidding. No kidding. So, all right, let's let's uh, shake things up here a little bit. Let's take a broader spectrum. We looked at the defensive line. We we let's have a broader perspective. We looked at quarterback. Any other position battles that you can update us on, Jeremy? Um, I know we got some competition at corner. We're, we're some, trying to find somebody to lock down opposite of Jeff Gladney. You mentioned the offensive line. You don't have to go through that. But we had a lot of listener and reader questions about say, about corner. Uh, you mentioned safety. But walk us through what's going on at corner and linebacker because I think that, those are the biggest question marks in my opinion. Well, the cornerback spot, I think uh, it, it's tough because Jeff's been out. And so you had Julius over there running his spot. And he's he's coach isn't real committed on who he's going to name it on the other side yet because I think Noah Daniels is really pushing some things. He's got great size, great speed. Uh, the uh, uh, I don't even want to try to pronounce his name. They all call him Yo Yo. Michael Lowe is what we call him. He moved from free safety. I thought he was. Yeah, him he, he did call him that one time. <laughs> But given given those two guys, uh, those two guys right there are giving TCU some some great size at corner, and really the thing I've noticed with with Coach and, and Noah Daniels is he's he's mentioned them a few times since the spring, so he's obviously making a, a pretty good impression on them. Tony James has been out; he's another guy that's been out, so I think that helps Noah. It helps Michael in the battle. Uh, to at least get out there and and get some playing time. I feel that all four of those guys will get on the field against Southern, to be honest with you. Uh, Who's going to be the starting corner across from Gladney? I can't tell you right now. If I was a betting man, I would probably say Julius Lewis just because he's got the most experience. Uh, Hmm. He's obviously working in Jeff Gladney's spot. That's a first-team spot. And if he does well enough, then I could say see them just saying, "Okay, Julius, now you're going to this side. You're going to be you've earned yourself the starting position." Um, but I asked him the other day, and you guys can go back and watch that video. I asked him straight up if, if he had another starter, and he doesn't right now. Uh, linebacker with mm. Ty moving to, and Ty's going to fluctuate. That's what he said. Ty's going to Ty's going to help out at yeah. end on on teams that pass more. LJ's more of a Stanford type defensive end the guy 
if you're going to line up in power, LJ's your guy. Arkansas, those those type of teams mm-hmm. that you're going to see. But if you're playing a team like, yeah, K State. If you're playing a team like West Virginia, and you really got to get pressure on Will Greer really fast, you're going to probably put Ty Summers at defensive end. He gives you a little bit more speed off the edge. Uh, but linebacker, Rico Evans is another guy that's been out. I asked, I, I asked about the linebacker situation and it, 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 Garrett Wallow was a guy that was out too. I mean, I'm telling you every position and I even joked when I asked about running backs, I told him, Hey man, I'm, I'm afraid to ask this question, but are you running backs? Oh yeah. Darius has been out freak injuries. Shea was, you know, just every position it seems like, but I asked him about the linebackers. He really didn't get in great detail. I've heard Jawan is, is still playing well. Garrett is a guy that um, they expect to play well. Alec Dunham is probably the one that is probably could benefit from from all these injuries because he's got the most experience, not game wise, but he's he's been there pretty long compared to Garrett Wallow and Jawan Johnson. And you still have Montreal Wilson that's not fully recovered from his injuries. So the good news is, is TCU's got a ton of good linebackers. The bad news is you don't know which one's going to be, excuse me, healthy enough to go out there and, and and play that first game and and start. I couldn't tell you right now, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you who's going to be the starting two linebackers to save my life. Um, I just really haven't heard anything on it. Well, I will not put a firearm to your head and make you answer that question, but that is a question we got a ton. You know, that is a, a, a position group we had a lot of questions about. It was linebacker. So, well, I guess we'll all just find out on September 1st at 11 o'clock. We'll just we'll find out together. So, I, I got my hunches on Garrett Wallow getting some playing time if he's healthy. I think Johnson's going to make a serious impact in that first game if he's healthy. So, it, it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. You know, one of the things you mentioned this, um, Coach Patterson seems to have been in a better mood this this off season or uh, you know this preseason. Every time he's got press availability, he seems to be joking around. Every time he's honestly, in my opinion, able to are willing to talk in depth more about what's going on and um, share a little more details. Not that he's uh, telling us so he can tell Oklahoma, but he seems to be in a pretty good mood. Is it good news or is it bad news if Coach Patterson is in a good mood? That's one of the questions I wanted to hard, – hard-hitting question here. I wanted to leave it with you. If he's, if he's in a good mood, six wins tops. Oh, my. I'm just I, kidding with you guys. Oh, gosh. I was going to say – I mean <laughs> – because <laughs> I, no, you know, what, what I've what, I, what I've noticed about him over the years and, and being around him so long, it, it's funny. It now, this was several weeks ago. It, it and, he, and he, it, he did seem like he was in a good mood still on Saturday. But at Big Twelve Media Days, I had so many people come up to me and tell me, "Man, Coach Patterson is just in a good mood, man." You I never know. Seen him like that before? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I can't tell you how many people told me, you know, after after talking to Coach Patterson, yeah, I had them third or fourth on my preseason poll, man, and now I think they could challenge Oklahoma. I think they're solid number two. You know, it, it's a consensus that Oklahoma's the team to beat. But he he just the the his presence at Big Twelve Media Days just impressed so many guys that covered the Big Twelve. They were convinced that he knew something that every one of us didn't. And, and that's when I tell him he's got that Gary Patterson grin that he knows something that a lot of us don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, he's he's battling, losing, arguably his top defensive player, but they've done that before. And like I, mean, I posted on the, the board, he's won a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Tap those brakes, buddy. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> but listen, I mean, it's like I it's like I posted on the board. He's he's won he won one hundred and forty nine games before this past season. He's had countless top defenses in the in whatever conference he's in. He's had a top defense in the nation. He's arguably the top defensive coach in college football. And so he's he's going to get his guys prepared to to play where they need to play. If he guys if he has a guy that is injured, it's next guy up. And what's crazy about this roster compared to five, six years ago, maybe even four years ago, look at the depth chart. You're you're replacing guys. You're losing Blacklog, but you're getting guys in there that are some pretty solid players. George Ellis is a pretty solid player. Terrell Cooper, although he's not wasn't rated very high, he's going to be a good player. They've talked just really really good things about him. Mm-hmm. But I, I still feel that he he could have said on Saturday that he has a ton of question marks and and I don't think he wants to get it's kind of in the middle, Jeff. He doesn't want to get too down on his team. He's not going to come out there and make excuses for his team. That's not, that's, he's never been like that. He's not going to make excuses. Well, I've got all these injuries, so we might go six and six. Mm -hmm. He even said, we've got to get guys back. If we don't, we may go out. Oh, and five, we got to go about our life. If not, then we'll be good. Then you'll be good. Exact quote. Yeah. Daniel, what's your take on Coach Patterson's demeanor this season? I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's uh, used to, you know, people or just the fan base in general. If 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 Gary's mad, things are going to be good. If he's in a good mood, it's going to be awful. And that's what Jeremy was joking about. Yeah. And and I just and I've seen that happen before. Like it, it has happened, but it's not always consistent and this year he's in a good mood for good reason um yeah i mean it's it's football you're gonna have injuries so it stinks so he's a little more probably less happy right now than he was at big 12 media days but he's still got you know uh, a great team full of players with most depth probably ever uh, at tcu and and certainly for him uh, as a coach, and I, I just think that um, you know he's as happy as he can be, uh, considering um, little setbacks. And you know we'll we'll see. We've got two, you know, against Southern and SMU. Uh, that gives you a couple more weeks of of playing uh, all sorts of people uh, at different positions, and then two more weeks to get people uh, healthy and back in in the game for you know Ohio State. So. I I think uh, it's 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 not that bad of a situation. I think it's actually pretty pretty darn good. You know, I think the the predictive nature of Coach Patterson's demeanor probably needs to go the way the needs to go the way of the the chip on the shoulder. Uh, we don't like to be ranked preseason attitude. You know, there's some frog fans who are like, oh, we're we're ranked too high. I like it better when we're not even ranked, and then we come out of nowhere. And I'm like, I kind of like when we're ranked in the top ten. I like when we're ranked in the top five. I, I, I want that. Um, and so I, right. you know, I, if coach Patterson feels good about his team, then I'm, I'm pretty excited that that gives me something well, to be confident. And that's about. why Gary, 
that's why Gary has prove them right and prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if they rank us too low, we'll, we'll prove them wrong. If they rank us too high, well, damn it, we'll prove them right. Yeah. So he he's changed, you know, that underdog thing, the chip on the shoulder and all that. And, you know, it's because, you know, this is what, year six and a power five, you know, that's that's kind of that's that's kind of settled uh, you know to the ground you know we're it's legit TCU's on the map you know let's just go out and win and and, and become what we've always had a chip on our shoulder against yes yes i like that i think that i think that speaks well all right, uh, we're going to do two quick things here. Jeremy, you're going to give us an update on recruiting. Then Daniel's got a, a, a something he wants to share that he's been working on all week. So, give us a little update on, on recruiting. I know we're on we're on a commitment watch for this Thursday, and then anything else that you think our our fine listeners would want to know about the nature of recruiting, Jeremy. You know, it's it's kind of slow right now because it's a you know, kids can't come on campus. Um, they do have. Uh, a chance with some guys that are announcing Tamazier Brown's announcing on Thursday with Newton. I, I feel pretty good about him. I didn't feel as confident out of the Newton three um, with, with him and uh, uh, with Josh and with Darwin, I, I felt very confident and Tamazier he's, he, he loves TCU, but I think uh, Baylor would be a team to watch in this recruitment as well. Uh, and, and TCU's done a good job. Move this man. Yeah. You were just waiting to play that, weren't you? <laughs> I've, I've had it on here this whole time, but I couldn't see it oh, until today when I uh, when I deleted another one. So then I was like, "Oh, it's perfect, Baylor." Yeah, uh, if he goes to Baylor, I'm I'm feeling Daniel's going to take a uh, a little break from the board for about a week. Um, but no, yes. I, I I feel pretty good about it. With with the season getting uh, cranked up, you'll have um, players are able to come on campus again. I don't know when the exact date is uh, when when the dead period ends. I'll have to check into that. But they'll have guys that will be able to come up and visit. I don't think they're going to have any major prospects coming up for the Southern game. Um, they'll have some guys over at Ohio State. They they are the home team, so they get to have um, some visitors over there. And I think you'll see a pretty good list for that game. Uh, more of the bigger prospects, uh, the kid out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, Traven defensive end. He's probably going to visit later in the year. I think it would be for Oklahoma and Stefan Rod's another one I could see uh, coming in during the Oklahoma weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. But Tamazier, with him making his announcement Thursday, I still feel pretty confident. I think Darwin's going to make a commitment soon. And Darwin's the one that told me that it's it's going to happen before the season starts. So I, I know his is getting extremely close and and he even tweeted a couple weeks ago that he was going to make his decision in one or two weeks and it's been two weeks so I, I know he's getting pretty close Oklahoma State is the the main competition for him uh it's 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 down to those guys it's either TCU or, or Oklahoma State and I still feel pretty good about TCU's chances for him it's getting down to the the end of the 19th cycle man it, it really is you've got 16 it minutes. is uh, you've got 21 spots, and that number can fluctuate, as we all know. So go ahead and put that down. Don't write nothing in stone for 21 for you guys talking around the water cooler and getting ready. Jeremy said 21. Getting ready to post on the board. Uh, I like when they start counting roster spots. Who who has to go? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, who who does the roster thing? Who does the roster thing? Oh, 
there, there, there's a plethora. I no, mean, there's, no, who, there's a who lot does, of them. Who does the spreadsheet? Is that annoying? Annoying does it. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah that's oh. a good one. That's not what I'm, I thought, it, it, that's it was, not what I thought It was Putt asking. that used to be the one that was real crazy about those numbers. He was always the one that was real crazy about who they're going to force out and how do we keep these kids? 85, how can you take this? I mean, it was just like constant question, constant question. But they figured, yeah, well, they, they, they figure it out. They figure out the numbers and I don't worry about it. I mean, I get told, it told us a number and, and it, it's never, ever in all my years covering this team, it's never been the number that they first given me. It's always something different, but just a few more spots left. Uh, if, if obviously they get Brown, you got two really good receivers, get Barlow. They got mm -hmm. two really good running backs, top two running backs in the state. I still think they want to find another tackle. Gabriel Hall was a big loss for them because they, they really wanted that kid. I know Chris Thompson was recruiting him pretty heavily. And and he went to Baylor. Yeah, he went ended up going to Baylor. But that was part of the – you you have a, a situation where a kid plays defense, but he probably projects more uh, as an offensive player. I mean, you, he's going to have to be – a really, really quick defensive lineman. And, and I like the kid. He's got good mobility, but at that size, he doesn't have uh, great mobility. He's not a Ross Blacklock, in other words. He's not – he doesn't make it look like he's playing at 250 pounds. So I, I, I personally think Gabriel would have projected better as an offensive lineman where TCU was recruiting him. And, and I know people are going to say, well, why didn't they just tell him he could play defensive lineman? That's not, that's, that's not how they're going to recruit. I mean, it's, it's not, they're, no. they don't do that crap. They, they're not going to try to Good. tell a guy just to get him on campus and then changes, changes Jersey a week later without giving him a shot to, to play the position. And that's with, with Peyton Powell. Unless you're yeah. Jerry Hughes. No, they told him straight up that I, I, man, if I can find those dang interviews I did, on uh, when I was working with rivals <laughs> back in the day when I interviewed Jerry, he told me straight up they were recruiting him as a defensive end and they were the only one. It's that's another story that you know he got to school and his Vic, number in his locker was changed. No, it's, there's Trevon Boykin was a running back. Yeah, the list goes on and on. But yeah. now the 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 funny the, the funny thing is, hey, you got you got such a limited number of spots and. They they're really they are in really good position for the final guys they're they're going after. Uh, I think Zarnell Fitch has done a great job recruiting Stephon Wright. Dan Sharp has done a good job uh, recruiting uh, Traven out of uh, Bishop Gorman, and you have Jeremy Modkins that has done a phenomenal job recruiting the Newton kids. And and TCU is really in in a great position. And and, and if they were going to go after a tackle, I know they they like the. Uh, that uh, kid out of Canada, the Liam Dick, the yes. Liam Dick kid. He, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep in mind, the youngest of the three of us is 34, and we're still giggling like that. So, <laughs> so you know what? At that camp. <laughs> I'm going to get the giggles here in a second. Stop it. <laughs> no, I've got Okay, him. so at the camp, the, the players. Hey, Jeff, was your sermon today on, on First Peter or Second Peter? <laughs> the players, the, the, players right at the camp, when they're running the 40s, you have a player that is down 
a, a TCU player that is uh, down at the end at the line where the players are getting down on their stance, and they have to yell. They yell about twenty yards to another TCU player, who then turns and yells to the coaches that are actually holding the stopwatches. The every kid's name, and so the kids will come up and they'll get down on their stance and they'll they'll talk to the the player and they'll tell them their name. And so the kid, the kid told, I can't remember, it might have been Gladney. And Gladney's face was like, what? And so the kid starts laughing, and then Gladney's like, pick. And then I think it's Jerson Stewart, Stewart, that's, what? And then this kid's just cracking up, man. But no. I've been laughing this whole time. <laughs> We're so immature. Golly. We are so bad. I think we got it. I think we got it. We're going to move along here. Dude, I think, that's I why think I didn't want to talk about the tackle because I knew this was going to happen. <sighs> okay, so, man, you're wheezing us, cracking me up. Quit All wheezing. Right, Whoever's uh, wheezing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the me, Marlboro man. man. That's me. <laughs> Uh, no, he's six, right. he's six six three oh five. Daniel, you got the floor. He's six six yes. three oh five, and he's he's, yes. he's 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 a really good target. And they locked him. They locked him. <laughs> good. Come on. All right, Daniel, you, you've got the floor here. You you had something you wanted to share it's as done. we move along. <laughs> it's done. Okay. Okay, as long as it's, it's done. not right. done, you know, it's, on, not. Man, you it's not. It's not. You got All right, it's just just real quick. There's there's something, you know, everyone's going to know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to mention anybody by name. But um, when you make bets with people and you lose, you need to make good on those bets. And I have a message for a certain person, and you know who you are, and so does everyone else. And that message is as follows. I don't know who you are. But if you pay the money that is owed... That'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will... I left off the last part for legal reasons. Legal reasons. Good. That's awesome. Well, anyway, needs, I just thought that was fun. That was awesome. He needs to pay up to you. I don't know what I don't know who you're talking about All right, and uh, what you're talking about, but I'm sure just <clears throat> send me a uh, PM or direct message or we can talk about it later. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right, couple uh let's let's take a U turn here. Let's let's start talking <laughs> about some football. Um, that's going to happen on the field, not just off the field. Think about some non-TCU games. We're going to do a Big 12 and TCU uh, pre, you know, season predictions next week on Sunday night. But let's, let's look at some games maybe all, um, outside of the, the Big 12. I mean, outside of TCU, it can be in the Big 12. But what are some games you're looking forward to this year, especially those first few weeks? What games have your attention that you guys got an eye on? I want to see the USC-Texas game. Yeah, I do too. That's the same day as TCU Iowa State. I mean, uh, yeah, it's TCU Ohio yeah, that, State. That, that game intrigues. I want to see uh, Maryland beat Texas. <sighs> Maryland. Oh, that might be a blood for the Longhorns Ooh. because I mean, 
what, what, mm-hmm. what a mess. And I'm talking about – I'm actually saying good stuff about Texas winning that game. It might, they might go in there and just beat the brakes off of them. I mean, it's it bad, bad situation yeah. over there at Maryland. Tough spot. That's a terrible situation. They need to clean house. I'm looking forward – I'm actually looking forward uh, for some Scheidenfraut reasons to Clemson, oh, Texas yeah. A&M. I think uh, I think Texas A and M is going to get their hats handed to them. They're going to get killed. They're going to get killed, and it, the game's in College Station. So when they have the return game, it's going to be in Death Valley. So I, Jimbo's offense is complex, and it requires a lot of reads, and it's 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 a pro style offense. And one person has been able to run it and, and win games, and that's Jameis Winston. Nobody else at Florida State was real. I mean, he had talent. He always had talent at Florida State. That's going to be the problem. He also had crab legs. Yeah, crab legs will do that. I don't think I don't think Texas A and M is going to do any better under Fisher than they did under Sumlin. And they're they're just that's just historically who they are. So I'll be really interested to see that Clemson uh, Texas A and M game. I'm also I'm also looking forward to to Notre Dame Michigan. I wish we could bring back the tie. Because, man, I don't like either one of those programs. But I'll be really interested to see who wins that game. I have, you know, to be honest, and then to be just, honest, I, just for really, key, I really haven't dove yeah. into the schedule yet. I really need to do that. I mean, I, I really need to – because the first couple of weeks, man, you get some premier games and then get in the conference season by week four. But I, I need to go out there and look. But I, I, am, I am interested in the uh, USC-Texas game just because – I want to see how much Texas has improved, and I want to see USC's starting quarterback. I think it might be the kid that is a true fr- – is it the true freshman? Well, they named it. I think so. Texas named oh, Ellinger the starter okay. today. So, yeah. It, yeah, so that, that means he has – he's the least concussed, right? I think so. I think – which says something for that poor guy. Yeah, yeah, he he's only got like a few concussions. Uh, so, Here's but don't worry, Tom Herman will take care of that real real quick. Yeah, real quick. Here's a here's a stat for you. Who's the only uh, player to start over twenty games at quarterback since Colt McCoy got hurt Zero. at Texas? David Ash. David Ash. <laughs> David Ash has started started twenty two games at quarterback for Texas. Buchel nineteen, Case McCoy sixteen, Tyrone Soups fourteen, Garrett Gilbert fourteen, Gerard Hurd ten, Sam Ellinger six. Wow, they're uh, they're going through some quarterbacks down there in Austin. Um, you know, the one game I am looking forward to week one is uh, Florida Atlantic at Oklahoma to start the season. Lane Kiffin, the Lane train, is going to roll into Norman. And if nothing else, he's going to have some fun on Twitter. So I'll be really interested to see how that because yeah, I think FAU is going to be pretty be bad. good, actually. So they won, didn't they win ten games yeah, last year? That'll be fun. They they did win ten games, and I think they they lost to Wisconsin week one, and then I think they lost to Navy, and that's it. I, if I remember no, right, don't don't quote me on that second one. I, I know they lost. I don't know Wisconsin who they're playing the first week, but I, I am interested in watching UCLA because obviously I think Chip Kelly's good for college football. And I am gonna. Yeah. Well, week two oh, they're okay. in they're in well, Norman. That'd be a good game to watch. I can't wait for that one. I'm gonna put that game down on my list now too, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I know. no kidding. Even that your DVR. 
Yeah. yeah, the frogs are playing Friday at SMU, and then the next day there's a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch. And, of and I'm also looking forward to Nebraska. I want to see how Scott Frost does it there. I've always liked Scott Frost as a coach, so I want to see how he does that game. That that stadium is going to be yeah. completely packed. There won't be one empty seat in the house at that stadium their first game. Oh, for Nebraska? Yeah. No. No, there Good won't grief. be. No, there. That place is going to be crazy. Yeah, that place is going to be crazy. I'm no. cheering for um, Abilene Christian uh, in Week One. Uh, they're going uh, to Baylor. <laughs> that'll be a that'll be a bloodbath. That'll be a bloodbath. I don't think Baylor will go und- or defeated in non conference this year like they did last year, where they lost to, to the- UT- UTSA, yeah. yeah, Liberty, and then Duke. So that'll be interesting to see what they do because they've got ACU, you know, the power of Abilene, and then they 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 got Duke at home, and then they play at UTSA. So I don't know the how how that exactly unfolds, but that's their that's their setup. Got to be pretty good. I'm trying to think. There's there's a couple more games. Alabama Louisville is week one. That's going to be a bloodbath. Oh, I know what I want to watch. Auburn Washington in the Peach Bowl in in the in the New Georgia Dome. I think it's week one. That's a big game because if Auburn beats them, basically every sports writer that I, that I follow that's, that's worth their salt says the PAC 12 is going to possibly be eliminated essentially week one from the playoff. So that is, if if they lose it, they lose that game there. They are in a huge deficit right out of the gate, huge deficit right out of the gate, which honestly wouldn't bother me. Although I like Peterson. I think he runs a good program. But you know this is cannibal. You know we gotta we gotta we gotta take care of the Big Twelve. So I'd be okay if the Pac twelve took a backseat. Don't worry, they'll they'll get to two Big Tens and two SECs in there, and everything will be fine. Yeah, but one of them won't be Alabama, so they'll have a, a and they'll they'll make five teams. They'll let five teams in that year, make sure Alabama gets in. So. Kind of like to do a top ten list with eleven to have one more SEC on there at yes. the end. Yeah. That's right. That's the way really uh, God intended eight. it. Need to get to What's eight. that? We really I, need to get to eight. You want to you know my hot take? I don't want eight. I like four. I like eight because you have the five Power Five conferences, champions, mm-hmm. automatics, and then you can pick three at large. I think that's, that's it. I, I think that's the way to do it because – I always think back to the uh, the College World Series where Coastal Carolina won it. You know, who would have thought? And in any other in any circumstance like where there's a committee, they're not going to be picking Coastal Carolina for such a small thing. But they were able to, you know, get through the regional, the super regional, to the World Series to beat TCU, beat all these other teams, and win the whole darn thing. And I think that's what makes it. You know, that's a special thing. But when they're just going to pick the biggest programs every single time, you know. Yeah. So some someone could have a even Kansas. This would never happen, but Kansas could have some kind of magical year and win the Big Twelve and make it to the playoff. And you know, ESPN might be mad because they don't make as much money, but uh, that's more fair, I believe. I think they should do what Mike Leach said because I was on board with that. I think you should go back to instead of playing twelve games in a conference championship or whatnot. Go to eleven game schedule, and then you play a sixty four team bracket. 
Seriously. <laughs> that, play, he did say that. Because you play 64, te- 64 teams and you play – if you make it to the championship, how many games are you playing, 15 or 16? Okay, so in high school football, how many games you play? In Texas, you play 10. You win and the state you- championship, you play five or six games. So you're yeah. playing 15 or 16. So you can tell me a high school team could do that. You're not talking. Every, you're not talking 64 teams doing that. You're talking two teams that are playing 15 or 16 games. I don't know. However, I haven't done that. Yeah. You could have the bowl games still have their bowl games, but you have them as neutral sites. Okay. 64. Then, you're you're making a serious pitch for a 64 team playoff. Okay. So how many bowl games you have right now? Uh, Too many. Not, not enough. Okay. Seriously, uh, it, it's around. 30, I think there's 37. Uh, okay. So there, it's in the 30s, right? So you're already you're already, you're already giving you're already giving anywhere from sixty four to seventy teams postseason bowl games. All why right. not? I'll, I'll, why not? It's 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 intriguing. It is if, if nothing else, it's intriguing. Eliminate the twelve game season, go to eleven, and then if you have a team that makes a dominant run, okay, you you could do the the division three does it, division two does do. it. They do. So how come in NCAA uh, Division One F- FBS is the only division that doesn't do playoffs the right way? It's the well, only you know, only football uh, organization in existence that doesn't do so, the traditional so, type playoffs. So the, yeah. high, the high school players, you can't college players can't they, they can't do it. They, the bodies can't handle it, but high school players can. And then when they go yeah. on from college, they play a sixteen game regular season, not to mention the four preseason games they play. So they're playing 20 game seasons. Then you, if you have a good team that makes the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl, how many games you're playing? 20 games. It could be done. And I know it's a money thing. It's probably a logistical thing, but I think it could be done. Get someone in there that's crazy enough to try to do it. Well, here's my retro idea. Since we brought this up, I want eight conferences. I want a 64-team Power Five with eight conferences with eight teams and go back to the the region. Basically, the I don't want to say the Southwest Conference or the Big Eight, but basically the Big Eight where you've got a tight, you know, geographically centered conference of eight teams and you play them. So you got seven games there, and then you can get you can get five more out of conference games or you pair up with uh, basically divisions and then you rotate those so that you get a couple of crossovers every year that are out of nowhere. Um, and then, you know, you play, you play your SMU or you play your Southern and you can, you can make uh, allowances for that kind of stuff, but anything we can do to generate better matchups that are both regional as well as get one or two um, non-conference games that are unique, man, I think that would be good for the sport. I think that would be good for the sport. And then you'd have an 18 playoff, and you, if you if you didn't win that division, there's of, of eight teams. There's no excuse. I don't want to hear it because you think about it. Let's say let's say you had Auburn, Alabama in the same division. You basically would have all these playoff rivalry games on Thanksgiving weekend. So you'd have almost a 16 team tournament if they were smart enough to figure out how to set it up to where you always had Alabama and Auburn. You could have. Uh, you know, UCLA, USC on, on Thanksgiving weekend, there's a lot of good games that can be played that weekend to uh, generate even more interest. And, man, you talk about the stakes for the Iron Bowl. You talk about the stakes for um, – think about the stakes of the Cotton Bowl every year if Texas and Oklahoma are in the same in the same bracket. It could be like the old Big 12 South. So that that's what I'd like to see. But 
That's just me. I like college football is at its best when it's petty and regional. That's my opinion. The idea that Florida and Missouri are in the same conference is ridiculous. The fact that you know Te- Lubbock in Morgantown are in the same division is, I mean, yeah. conference is ridiculous. There's nothing, nothing about that that um, is built on the tradition of college football, in my opinion. The way, what, the way I look at it is the Big 12 basketball tournament is the best basketball tournament because it's compact. It's in Kansas City. Everybody can get there. It's built around the strongest program. And it's just three days, three or four days of chaos. That's what I like. So I think you should. I think you can have something similar for a region, you know, a regional football uh, division. So yeah, it needs to be regional and geographically because I hate Baylor, <laughs> I hate SMU, I hate uh, Tech, I hate Texas, I hate everyone locally. But I don't give a crap about clemson or i oh, know oregon state you know all these things i mean i still watch it because i'm a sports fan and a college football fan and i, I do like my pack 12 after dark kind of nightcap for the uh fall saturday but i don't have a, a a real rooting interest in it like i do when these teams that i hate and i don't like on a side note i don't like all this conference loving sec crap i you want to hate everyone in your conference yes yeah, I know. I'm, I'm the guy that, that pays extra money to get Fox Sports Southwest in Chicago so that I can watch, you know, Tech Baylor, that I can watch Tech and uh, their non-conference game. I want to watch the teams I care about or the teams I can't stand. You know, that's 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 what makes college football the best. Well, guys, we're uh, hit an hour here. Um, before we wrap up, you guys got anything good on TV you're watching? I started watching uh, – I watched season one of Succession with my wife. I haven't seen that. If you haven't watched that, it's pretty good. It's pretty intense, but I, I really like that show. It's about – basically, the, the easiest way to say it is it's all the kids are gathering around when they think their dad's going to die that, that owns some version of a multimedia company. I don't know, CNN, Fox. It's, it's not quite Rupert Murdoch, but it's, it's of that vein. It's somebody that is powerful and um, at the center of a media corporation, and then all his kids are gathering around and trying to figure out the plan of succession if he were to die and the billions of dollars that's at stake at it. And it's really well – it's very well done. So I like, I like that so far. And then um, we started watching Ballers. Anybody watch Ballers with uh, uh, Dwayne uh, Johnson with The Rock? No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I've heard about it, but I haven't. Our I haven't son told it. us not to watch it because he said it would be a little too tawdry for us. And it's, it's a little rough around the edges, but I love it. I think my wife loves it. I think it's a pretty good show. I haven't watched much TV lately. I've had a lot going on, and in, in any downtime, I'm playing this motorcycle game I got for my Xbox. So I thought you were playing Fortnite. Um, I'm 34. Uh, I think that's a kid's game. I, I, I really don't even know what it is, but it's I think it's a kid's, kid's game, game. I promise you. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. I've only known of, of, of kids I, playing. I, I, can See, tell I thought you right, that's when you I got can tell the... you right now, and I don't play it. My son plays it. But I could promise you, as I tell you right now, I can guarantee I know men that are in their 40s and 50s that play that game. And honestly, I don't even know what it is. I just heard the name. I and don't. I know that a Fortnite is two weeks. That's about it. See, when I was a kid, Fortnite is when you grabbed the blankets and stacked up the, <laughs> the pillows on the couch and then connected it to the love seat, and then you were able and to have like a Fortnite. Put a, put a sign out front, no girls allowed. Right. <laughs> yes. Continue till I was <laughs> roughly 30. <laughs> so, yes, I can, I can respect that. 
You, what about you, Jeremy? Have you tracked? Have you started anything new? I know you said Yellowstone. We're we're going to start that this uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, we got we got the last episode coming next week. Yeah, we were going to wait until it was completely on air to start it. So you need to go watch it, man. I'm telling you, it's great stuff. Yeah, we're going to do that. stuff. Well, we got Better Call Saul season three or season four is going on, so I'll be watching that pretty quick here. I'm still in like season five of The Sopranos. I kind of stalled out on that. Yeah. Ooh, I love. I like that. to be about twenty years behind. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing as you, you'll know this. I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, there's never as fulfilling a moment as watching Phil Leotardo get whacked. So you'll you'll appreciate um, that. I will. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everyone that's gotten whacked, I I wanted to see that happen. Oh, so, I think I said this last time. I think that was on purpose. The only thing better than Phil getting whacked was uh, uh, Richie April. Yes. Oh my God. Wasn't and that then, great? And then Ralph, who Joe Pantoliano didn't, he didn't, he's not a mob character. He can't play that very well. No. But no. I did like that they exposed that he's bald. It was pretty funny. I know. I thought that was pretty funny too. So, well, on that note, we're going to bring this thing down. We're going to wrap this thing up. So, next week, we will be doing a, a, a TCU preview as well as looking around the Big 12. We'll make some predictions, player of the year, conference standings look at some key games. We will uh, get everybody on the record. We appreciate everybody that listened. We appreciate everybody that um, sent in some questions. I know I didn't go word by word through them, but I've flipped through it three times. looks like we essentially answered everything directly or indirectly. And if I didn't, it's because we weren't going to go there. So I appreciate everybody uh, weighing in with your, with your questions. It it means a lot. So um, between now and next Sunday, go out of your way to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us a rating. We would appreciate that. And also, if you're not following us on social media, please do. We've got a Facebook page. You can follow us at The Frogcast. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter. And if you are not a member of TCU 24-7, what in the world are you waiting on? It is um, the best cup of coffee. That's about what it costs. To You'll spend um, a month to, to know what's going on with TCU. Jeremy had the story on Ross Blacklock being injured. Jeremy had the story on Omar Manning transferring. Jeremy had the story on Sonny Cumbie staying years ago. Nobody has a better connection to the program than Jeremy. you got to want to stay on here to know what's going on. So we are going to wrap it up. For Jeremy, for Daniel, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.